Every one of us come today with struggles, things we deal with, whether it's marriage, relationships, things that we keep repeating over and over, things that we keep doing over and over, places where we keep failing. How many? I'm in the right place? Talking to the right people? Come on. Talking to myself? Yes. Come on. And what is the issue that God wants to impart to us? Now, you can speak in tongues. You can speak in tongues, but the Bible says there's going to come a day when tongues will cease. Now, you need to speak in tongues. Let me tell you something. You need that. You need that. Pastor Joe will tell you I'm, I'm a, a great promoter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on. And we're gonna, we, if you happen to feel, today you'll get filled. Right? You can prophesy, and that's needed in the church. We need prophecy. But the Bible talked about that the greatest thing that there was, faith, hope, he said the greatest things were faith, hope, and love. And then he said these words, the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these, say the greatest. The greatest. The greatest of these things is love. When he's talking about love, he's not talking about, you know, I love ice cream, I love Eriberto. You know, I, I don't, you know, whatever. I don't, you know, love someone, you know. He's not talking about, he's talking about the love of God. The love of God. That's what we need. Because when we have God's love, the Bible says we have a revelation of God. Because God is love. God is love. The Bible talks about it. And it's the explicit, it's the implicit, it is one of the premier attributes of God. The Bible talks about God's holiness, that God is holy. It's a direct statement. It's a, what we call a didactic statement. It's a direct teaching statement about God, who He is. So we know God is holy. And when we talk about the holiness of God, holiness speaks of God's perfection. That in every and all of God's nature, in His divine essence, He is perfect. The Bible says about this that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. It's an absolute statement. So God is holy, is absolute. He's perfect. He don't make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. But then it says right here that God is love. And so we already know God is perfect. He's preeminent. He's infinite in His holiness. And so, even so in His love, that God is infinite in His love. Let's read this, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. Listen to these words this morning. Just don't read them. Get them in your spirit. Everyone who loves, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Think about that. Whoever does not love does not know God, 
Because God is love. There's that statement. And this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Then He says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. He sent His Son as an atonement, atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And His love is made complete in us. Now, okay? See, that's great. We're feeling real good about loving it's feeling all ooey-gooey in here. Pastor saying he loves us. We love God. I love my brother and sister. I can pat them on the shoulder. I go ahead and pat your name on the shoulder. I love them. But look at now. Look now. Look at the next verses because we know we talked about problems that we deal with and things that we deal with in our life. What's the answer? Is it more speaking in tongues? Is it more prophecy? Now all those things God uses. They, they are, they come part and parcel with the love of God. God gives us those things because He loves us. And they are tools, they are instruments of righteousness. But let's get down to the core of this thing. Let's get down to the nature of this thing. He says in verse 13, We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him, and He in God. And so we know, and so, say that, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Now, He says that, and you, some of you in Bible college, these verses, you've got to look at the context. Within the context, he's saying, and so, and so, what's he doing there? He's drawing a conclusion based upon what was previously said. And so, because of this, we know and rely on the love God has for us. Not just the love that God showed to us through Jesus Christ, that's part of it. But the love that God puts in us, the love that changes us and causes us to love one another and to love God. Because when you love God, you're going to obey Him. Scripture says that. God says, Who loves me? You're the one who keeps my commandments. Read John. John is writing. When John is writing, he's writing to a church. That's dealing with some heresy about the nature of Jesus Christ. Whether or not Jesus Christ had come in the flesh. Some people think that either he was dealing with full-blown Gnosticism. Some will say he was dealing with some pre-Gnostic thought. That you could go ahead and live any way you want in the world and still serve God. See, John deals with sin. That's the scripture in chapter 2. You know, or chapter 1, chapter 2, where he begins to say, Hey, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, 
So he's dealing with sin. Then he, then he talks about in chapter 3, he says, man, this is how we know. He talks about God's love. Look at verse, chapter 3, verse 1. He says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. <clears throat> he's just basking in it. He's, he's basking in the revelation of God's love for us. And, and let me tell you something. I have, and in 28 years of serving God, I, I have come to know and understand more and more how much God loves me. God loves me. And you know, and sometimes we live our lives as if God doesn't love us. We start beating ourselves up. We fall under guilt. Condemnation. We beat ourselves up. Jesus said like this, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Now, now, some in here have children. Some in here, you know, you don't have children yet. But let me just tell you something. There's almost nothing I wouldn't do for my children. I mean, within my means, if it's possible. How many of you? Husbands, wives, you know, you've got children. I mean, your children, man, you'd stand in the front of a bus, an oncoming bus, to save your children, wouldn't you? I mean, if an attacker came and you'd give your life for your child without batting an eye. And God says, wow, that's, you know, that's extreme. That's powerful. But let me tell you something. God's love is more than that. God's love is more than that. That's why he bankrupt heaven. He didn't bankrupt heaven because you can't do that. You know, you can't bankrupt the infinite. But it sounds good, you know. It sounds real preachy, you know. <laughs> he didn't make, but he gave. He gave himself. The infinite gave the infinite. To save us. And the Bible says, that's a picture of my love for you. And like the gift, which is infinite, so is the motivation. It's infinite. Now listen, God loved you when you were a rank sinner. When you hated God, God loved you. And Paul says in Romans 5, hey, you want to know about God's love? While we were yet sinners. While we were still, when we didn't love God, when we were unlovable, God loved us. Didn't matter what you did, everyone. You know, the, the, the axe murderers, all the way down to the little, you know, little grandma playing the organ in the church. God loved them all the same. Powerful. Powerful. And see, now, when we are born again, we receive a new nature. God's nature comes to reside in us. Peter talks about this. We remain partakers of the divine nature. And that's why John is writing, man, God is love. He's talking about not living in sin. He's telling this church. He's correcting the church on being carnal and taking on attributes of the world which they shouldn't live in and trying to justify it. 
taking on false doctrine. And, you know, in chapter 3, he's talking about the love. And then, but then in verse 4, he says, let me tell you something. <clears throat> well, let me read verse 3. He says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he may take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Listen to these words. Right smack in the middle of this epistle. He just lays it out. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning, because he has been born of God. That seed that he's talking about is not only the Word, but it's the living Word of God. It's God Himself who comes to reside in us and God, who there's no sin in, who is holy, is never going to be satisfied with sinful living. You become the temple of God Going out in the world and taking of the things of the world and, and living the life that you know that you confessed, uh, you confessed God uh, to forgive you of, and that you surrendered your life to live for Him, and now you ask Him to come into your heart, and you, your life, you become the temple of the Holy God. Jesus' righteousness is imputed to you. You walk in fellowship with God. Well, you can't be comfortable sinning. And you can't be comfortable fellowshipping with sinners. You can't be comfortable fellowshipping with those things that are contrary to God. And so the thing is, he's telling you, God's seed is in you. You can't feel comfortable with this. But when he's talking about all of this in, in John, <clears throat> this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. So what he's getting down to is really when God's love is made manifest in our lives. We come to know God in such a special way, in such an intimate way, that not only because of His presence residing in us, should it be foreign to us, this whole life of sin, but God in us, the revelation of His love, which increases in our life day by day as we come to know Him, makes us turn our eyes further and further away from those things and to turn our eyes to Him. And He becomes our central focus. Because of why? Because of His love. His love. It's one thing, you know, and it's the right thing to fear God. It's the right thing to fear God. You know? It's right. It's biblical. It's part 
of our love for God is to understand that with awe, we, it's God. And when we get a full revelation of God, one day he talks about the brothers, you know what, we will be, you know, it has not appeared to us, but one day we're going to see him face to face. And I tell you what, when that day happens, folks, we're going to fall on our faces before God. Because his awesomeness, <laughs> you know, thinking about not your Libre, but I mean, his awesomeness. There's going to be such a revelation, such an encounter with this divine nature that we're going to do like John, the revelator. In Revelations 1, when I turned around and I saw him, I fell at him like a dead man. Amen. Look at the revelations, man. The 24 elders standing before the throne in their seats of authority. But when the Lamb stepped forward, they fall on their face and they cast their crowns. And you hear the church singing a new song, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Man, if you feel uncomfortable in here, you're going to be way out of place now. And let me tell you something. It's not because Gabriel, our angel, our Peter, our Paul is getting up like ish with the guitar. Now we're going we're gonna to force you to worship and come on, saints of God. You know, it's not going to be a forced thing. It's not going to be like him encouraging you to do this. No. One revelation of the Lamb of God and all that he is. You will sing for all eternity. You're not going to stop singing. You're not going to stop praising. Glory. Talking about his love. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us. Listen to this so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him I mean how did those early saints stand before false accusers led into coliseums fed to lions nailed to crosses all along the Appian Way. How did they how did they submit to that? How did they not rise up, form an army, and fight against it? But they willingly laid down their lives. Well, I go back to you and me as being evil, as Jesus said, that we would willingly lay down our lives. For our children. Why? Because we love them. And they're part of us. And so in essence, if you kill my child, you're killing me. If you kill my wife, you're killing me. And I'm going to fight to save that. I'm going to take that person's place willingly. Because they're, they're flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And God's saying to us, well, I love you. 
And my love in you causes you to love me. And by that love, that same love, that revelation of me, it's made us one. And when you have that complete revelation of God, of His love, of who He is, let me tell you something, this flesh, this body doesn't mean nothing. Because your eyes are fixed on the eternal. And ain't nothing this world has to offer or can do that can compare. Paul said, he said like this, these light afflictions. Listen to this man who's saying light afflictions. What's he talking about? These light afflictions. They're not worthy to be compared with the glory to be revealed. Remember, this is the man that had been beaten with rods five times. Five times he had received 39 stripes on his back. Three times he had been shipwrecked. He had spent a night and a day in the deep, he says. He had wrestled with wild beasts at Ephesus. This man had gone through some afflictions that we wouldn't call life. Right? Come on, man. They beat that man up. And he did it for the gospel. What was it? What was it? It was God's love. God's love. He had a revelation of God's love. And he could love his captor. He could love his persecutors. He could love his fellow man. He could love the lost like God loves them. That's why. That's what motivated him to tell everyone about Jesus. When that love is in you, it changes your life. God wants us to walk in a revelation of love. And let me tell you something. That is the fix for every problem in every relationship. Because hey, he's talking about relationships here. He says, man, if you don't love your brother... You don't love God. You don't even know God. If you can't love your brother, don't say you know God. Because God is love. And if you don't love your brother, whom you see, how can you say you love God who you don't see? You say, well, brother, I love my brother. You do? You do? Okay. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians 13. We like to weep just at weddings. You know? I did a wedding just the other day. We read this at weddings. Let me tell you, he wasn't saying this for the sake of a wedding. When he, when he wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was writing to a bunch of tongue-talking, prophesying, laying on heels, slapping all healing folks. Yeah. The Bible says... First chapter of Corinthians. You come behind no gift and you're waiting upon God. They were all in operation, but they had a problem. They were living carnal. But just because you're Shiki Shundai doesn't mean you're living with God. Because we can feel the presence of God. Because He loves us. And these are gifts. But the quality of our Christian experience is known by the character of God's love within us. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, 
I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. This love, it's patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's powerful. That's powerful. Love never fails. Husband, wives, love never fails. How to get over the thing? I got this problem, I got this problem, whatever. Let me say something. It's, it's a love problem. You got a love problem. Say, so well, I, I keep falling. I keep stumbling. Well, that's a love problem. That's a love problem. See, I want to love God more. God is working on us. But the fact of the matter is, we're growing in our love for God. But let me tell you, all the love that we need to grab a hold on to experience freedom is inside of us. Through Christ. That's what Peter says. With these great and precious promises that through them we might be made partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. That's what it says. The divine nature which resides in us. And it won't even not only reside in us, but we can be made a partaker of we can access it. We can lay hold of it. We can allow it to flow out of our lives. Give us freedom. Walk in freedom. The Bible says it. What's the standard? It's not me. It's not some minister on television who can preach the best. Preach the best sermons. It's, it's not any of that. It's not who you think you are or how talented you are. It's love. Now let me tell you something. Outside of Jesus, none of us know that. But inside of Him, we have it. We just need to walk in it. Walk in light of that revelation. Christ is in us. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. We sometimes live beneath that, don't we? And inside that revelation is a revelation of the love of God. Of God's love. And that's why John, when he was correcting this church, what's he start talking about? God's love. God's love is correcting the church. False teaching. Let me tell you something, guys. Guys are like walking this way. You know what? You know what the real problem is? You don't know God. 
don't know Him, it's evidenced by your lack of love. Don't, don't point your finger at your brother. You ought to love your brother. As God loves them. As God loves them. Shouldn't be no pointing fingers in this church. You know, in a few months, we're going we're gonna to celebrate the fifth anniversary of this church. Hallelujah. Thank God. Anniversary five. You know? You know what we're going to do? We're going to bless the pastor and his wife. You know why? Because we love. Hey, that's your thing, right? Loving God, loving people, right? Metro praise is praising his name. Come on. Yeah, amen. Because we love. Baloney, if you like that, you ain't operating. You ain't operating in the love of God. My husband, he don't do this. Blah, blah, blah. Where's the love? Where is the love? My wife, blah, blah, blah. You know, where's the love? For none of us are, are as good as we seem to think about ourselves. We need God's love. We need to love one another. And if we are struggling to do that, then we have a love problem with God. Not our brothers. For the holidays, we were, uh, you know, we're doing that church down there, and the Lord has just blessed us to raise money and stuff like that. And uh, but it's also been a faith walk this entire year. I know, I know, you know, there's people in here that have great needs. We're all in the same boat. I mean, the economy's not a great place, you know. How do we? How do we know God's going to to deliver us? How do we walk in the faith? Or well, we, we walk in the faith through, through God's word. But you know what we need to know. You know, you know what we need to understand is God's love. We need to know God loves us. Oh yeah, God loves me. I got the sticker, you know, you know, God loves me. You know. <laughs> tell everybody God loves you. What does that mean? Let me tell you something. My kids, they're in my house. You know what? I don't know if my kids have ever worried for things. And we, and my wife's back there, she's shaking her no. My kids growing up, they've never worried about things. And they didn't know at times when we didn't have. When I mean it was, you know, when the cupboards were bare, when we were living by faith, when we came up to Christmas and man, there was no tree or whatever, you know, or you know, there was things you know weren't working out, you know. They didn't know about that. Why? Because there was love in that house. Love. But they knew that, and that's all they needed, really. Sometimes, though, when we're under stress and we allow things to come in our lives, I'm talking about myself, too. You know, I've seen the hand of God many, many times over 28 years of serving Him. I've seen healings, deliverance, you know, all kinds of things, miracles. I've seen God give us $2.7 million in one day from one person. Wow, come on. I've seen it happen. Been there. 
there. And then we go back and ask that same person for a million dollars two months later and they give it to us. No. Seeing that. Seeing God deliver time and time again. But life, it's such, it's so easy to allow the weight of things and what we're going through just to strap us down, man. And right, we have like, you know, when we're building that building, we've got about 150 grand left to finish. We're in the back building finally. Praise the Lord. Thank God you guys helped us with that. Amen. But we got like a 20 grand payment. And like, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm like, a, you know, right before Christmas. And I'm thinking, you know, and I had to go up to leave to go to uh, preaching in Detroit. And, and Chris, my wife's back there. She can confirm me. She can ask her later. That day, I'm thinking, you know, she's got four or five days from the end of the month. And I'm thinking, I need 20 grand. I didn't do this one. And, uh, and I just sat down on the floor. I'm like, because the weight of it just got to me. You ever been like that? Just the weight, like, man, I just sat down on the floor and said, how can we leave? We can't leave today. It's Christmas Day. Christmas Day, we can't leave today. How can we leave? How can I go up to Canada and Detroit and all that stuff? Man, I, we got to nail this before the end of the month. And the crazy thing, I had no idea how we were going to nail it. I mean, someone had promised us the money that would have covered that. But we hadn't heard from them in weeks. And I started thinking to myself, oh man, this person's Renee. This person is Renee. And the weight of that got to me. I literally get to me. And I sat down on the floor in our bedroom. And my wife sat down there with me and we prayed. Before that, though, I went, I despaired. I let that despair get to me and I drove me to the floor. And I was like, God, I can't do it. And then I started thinking to myself, you've got to be an idiot for what you've been doing. You know, that's just words. You know? I mean, you've been there. You have to be crazy. You are an idiot. No, you know, no one believed this could be done in the first place. They're right. And then you start, words start coming. I mean, you forget about that in the last year. We've had eight, one year, we've had 800 volunteers. And a half a million dollars of donated materials. And but all of a sudden, you know, that immediate need, like you just, it goes out the door. You forget it. And the millions you've seen God do. And all the miracles and the healings and everything. I remember laying hands on someone to get healed in Huntsville, Alabama. And they were instantly healed, man. God did a miracle and people like rushed the altar. It was crazy because I, I, you know, you're up there saying, God wants to do this. And like two people came forward because nobody believed. But the one guy that came forward, he, he couldn't bend over. His back had been injured and God healed that man instantly. And I said, bend over right now. And he bent over and he came up shouting because God instantly healed him. And when the people saw that, they ran to the altar. You know, they just boom like that. You know, oh, God's here. Oh, no. God's here all along, you know. But I mean, that we do, we do that. But you know, we as preachers do that. I'm talking about myself. I'm not here trying to make myself something when I'm nothing. You know, the thing is, is we do that because me and the pastor, a week later, talking on the phone, and the brother says to me, you know that brother, he's, he's still healed. 
don't believe it. We saw it with our eyes, and yet we don't believe. And what I'm trying to tell you is that is a love issue. And I dropped to that floor, and I was despaired. And my wife would tell you, I despaired for a moment. And we came to just pray, and she was like, oh, I know. And we came, we prayed. I walked into my family. This is Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Walked into my family room. Pulled out, you know, my phone because we started gathering. Because after the prayer, just while you know, hey, whatever's gonna happen, gonna happen. You know, just we walked into the room and there was a text from the pastor who had committed the money. Hey brother, we're still collecting it. It'll be here. It hadn't come yet. You know? But let me tell you something. God knew at that moment that is all I needed. Is to know God's still on the job. But you know what? Later on, while I was driving up to Detroit and then going over to Canada, later on, as the month started, all of a sudden, it started to creep up on me again. And all of a sudden, I was ashamed. I was ashamed because I thought, wait a minute. Hold on. Stop yourself. Hold on. Boy, God loves you. God, that was the thing. And God communicated to me. I love you. Yes. I put it on the heart of a pastor of a very large church hanging out with his family on Christmas. You know no one calls people for business, especially missionaries, on Christmas Day. You know no one does that. Pastor Joe, come on. How many pastors calling you on a Christmas Day? Nobody. And you don't want to be bothered either. Who wants to be bothered on Christmas Day? But God laid it upon his heart to, to put a text to me. Because God loves me. I got this. I got this. Later on, when the pressure started to come again, God was saying, hey, didn't I show you I loved you? Yes. Didn't I show you I loved you? And at that moment, I was like, okay, God, you love me. You love me. You're over this, God. You're all over this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, I just, 
You see it in every way that we could possibly understand it. Hallelujah. You say, Lord, if we don't understand your love, Jesus. Lord God, you give David a revelation and say, look up to the skies. The heavens declare your handiwork. Lord God, the revelation of your love causes us to say, what is man that you are mindful of him? Jesus. Or the son of man that you care for him. You've made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory to rule over creation. Lord, you say in another place, Lord, that where can we go to escape your presence? Lord, if we go even to the gates of Hades, you're there with us. If that's where we are. If we make our bed in the heights, you're with us there. Lord, there's not a thought that courses through our mind, Lord, that you don't know it all together. There's not a thought, Lord God, that we're about to speak, Lord, that you don't know it before it leaves our tongue. Lord, you said, how precious are your thoughts towards us. If we were to number them, they'd be more than the grains of sand on every seashore. That's what your word says. The Lord, you declare your love for us, Lord God. Your has said, Lord God, you give us the picture in Hosea of that wife that's so unfaithful. And you make the prophet go and marry that unfaithful wife. And when she's done what her very nature prescribes her to do, and she's sold out on an auction block of sin, you tell the prophet, now this is what I'm like to my people. Go buy her back and love her. And you say the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. <laughs> the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. The steadfast love of the Lord Love that surpasses 
knowledge. To understand what is the height, the width, the breadth, the depth of the love of God. 